Welcome to this mini episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. So I'm Misty. And I'm Allegra. And this, like we said, is a mini episode. We're here to update you on updates. That's not right. We're here to update you on the 22 topics, on some of the 22 topics that we have previously discussed on our podcast. And as you heard last week, I'm traveling, which is why this is a mini-sode. We realize that some of the stories we have done have had things happen since we recorded. Yeah. And so we felt like we should go ahead and update those, and it's a two birds, one stone situation. And a lot of it is very, very good news. Yes. Actually, we don't have any terrible updates. Uh, we have one terrible update that I can think of. Mostly good. Mostly good. Like everything else we talk about. Good, but not perfect. Progress, not perfection. That is our, we should have someone sing us a theme song. So I need to do this in the order of our episodes because that's how uh. my brain works. But this so, will also be a good reminder if we have new listeners that we have old episodes and they can go back and listen to those. Yeah, but that starting at episode 10, we sound a lot better. Yes. Because that's when I learned how to work all the buttons. So one of our early episodes was all about horror. Actually, we had two episodes pretty early on about we horror. We did, because we started right around Halloween, so we made great use of that holiday. Yes, horror updates. So we talked about Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. Let's see if you can remember the name of her book that they turned into a Netflix series and get all the words in the right order. Go. Don't look at this. Don't look at the script. Do it. Okay. I believe in you. The Haunting. Yes. Of Hill House. It's not the house on Haunted Hill. I don't know. <laughs> you had it read the first time. Oh, I thought I had to throw in Manor at one. So when we first talked about The Haunting of Hill House, I talked about the book. We talked about this. You weren't on this episode. Yeah, I was. You were. I, no, I wasn't because I wanted to talk about the lottery. Yeah. And I didn't get to. So we talked about the haunting of Hill House. Christina and I did. And I was um, out with the flu, I think. It was a new show. We had seen it. I don't know if I had seen it yet. But we didn't know how well or widely received it would be. And now we, of course, know one of Netflix's most successful creations. And that it is getting a second season. It's getting a second season. I finally finished it. And I don't know where they can go from that end, but I'm excited. But the other thing is, other another horror-related female-fronted Netflix show, The Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, I haven't seen that. Also been renewed for a second season. Oh, good. Yeah. It came out also around October, uh, and it actually had a Christmas special, like a one-off episode Christmas special. Okay. There was a Yule log involved, but uh, it's also been renewed for a second season. So, And in other horror news... Yeah, this is actually very cool. So Jordan Peele's Us just came out. Austin saw it. He's brushing his teeth with so his I electric toothbrush. So I guess we should toothbrush. say that this Airbnb we have is not just me and Allegra. It's also Austin and Christina. It's all of your favorites from the Professor's Podcast here together in this very loud Airbnb. But yes. You should take some pictures and post them on Twitter. So I will. see what we're talking about. The, talk about horror. But anyway. It's not that bad. It's no, kind it's, of fun. It's fun. We're just being funny. But so Jordan Peele's Us just came out. So Us has a 94% score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really good. Has been certified fresh. Great reviews and great box office. Yeah, it cost $20 million to make and opening weekend made $70 million. What are you people? <laughs> 
Absolutely. For a bunch of reasons. Number one. So number one, we talked about this when we talked about a horror episode, getting new people in the room. Yes. And hearing new voices. Yes. Representation. Absolutely. At all levels, in all places in production. So I think there was some thought that maybe Get Out was, was a, a one-off. Was a fluke. Yeah. And I think this shows that that's not true. Right. And so hopefully the success here is going to encourage even more new voices. Yeah. Especially in horror because horror is... is kind of one note. Yeah, historically, you know, pretty yes. white. So it's a very good movie and it's doing very well. And one of its leads is a woman of color whose name is Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. And she, of course, has been in Black Panther, Star Wars. 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. So she's a very notable uh, black actress and she is part of this movie. Right, and she's a lead. She's a lead, yeah. Which, okay, and again, for a horror movie... Yes. ...is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Okay, so what about updates in music? So I know nothing about music, but let me just start there. Um, no, we, we have a kind of an important update. I mean, let's be fair. I know You a know little. a lot about Jimmy Buffett music. That's kind of music. <laughs> in a way. Ariana Grande. Okay, so Ariana Grande, whose name you can't even pronounce. Did I say it wrong? Yes. So Ariana Grande. I'm not uh, one of the cool kids. She just released her fifth album in February. Yes. It's called Thank You. Okay. Record breaking for a number of reasons. In the first week, it earned. So the equivalent of selling 360 yeah, copies iTunes, of, downloads, of a CD. Google yes. Play. All which is the biggest debut of the year so far. And the biggest week for an album by a female artist for an album by a female artist since Taylor Swift's reputation. And so 307 million on-demand audio streams for Thank You Next in its first week. I got so much love, got so much patience, learned from the pain. Hundred and seven on-demand audio streams for the song "Thank You Next." Thank You Next spent eleven weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Twelve of her songs on the album have made it to the Hot 100, and singles from the album spent eleven weeks at number one. The songs "Thank You Next" uh, and Seven Rings" both made it to the number one spot on the hot 100 so but i think the biggest record that she set with this yes album is that she simultaneously had the top three spots on the billboard hot 100 right so the song seven rings the song baker with your boyfriend on board and the song thank you next were all one two three so she's the only person other than the beatles to have three songs simultaneously one two three yes awesome that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really Do you good. like Ariana Grande? 
Uh, I know she's saying thank you next. Christina, do you like Ariana Grande? I Gron- love her. I know. Seven Rings is amazing. Oh, yes. Definitely. We're going to make you listen to it in the car, Misty. Oh, good. And I'm going to buy you a ring, both of you. Deposits, my gloss is popping. You like my hair? She thinks just about it. I see it. I like it. We have some updates from sports. So we talked about a league of their own. And we also talked about the All-American Curls National Baseball League. Oh, yeah. That wonderful name. I think that's been my favorite episode that we've done. I really like getting to talk about the Girls Baseball League. Yeah. So this wasn't included. And I think it was an oversight and it probably should have been. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, Monique Davis, who was part of a Little League team, led her team to the World Series, and she became the first girl to throw a shutout in the Little League World Series. So I just wanted to add that back into the conversation there, because we talked about women in sports and how that league had ceased to exist, but women are still playing baseball. Yes. Even if they're not allowed to play professionally at the moment. At the moment. And we're hoping that that will change at some point. And you wanted to add something about our conversation there because we'd also talked about the dresses they wore. Yes, attire for female athletes. And the debate rages on about female Muslim athletes wearing hijabs during practice and competition. This debate is mostly happening in Europe. So is the debate about how supportive we are because yeah, it's should a religious we be practice? 100 or 200% supportive of self-expression and religious expression? And the fact that it doesn't affect any kind of sports ability? At all. No, that's unfortunately not the debate. Oh, it's the debate on what color that they should be allowed to wear? It should match the team colors? No, that's not the debate either. So there's a major store in France and in Europe called Decathlon, and they sell sporting goods, like running shoes and running shorts and things like that. You all know what sporting goods are. Um, (laughs) So this company has plans to sell a hijab designed for runners, Okay. So obviously, if you need special shoes and shorts and shirts, performance wear for running, then it makes sense that you they would also design a hijab for runners. So there's a long standing debate in France and in Europe about this. And so they said they plan to sell it. And it incited a great deal of controversy. And of course, these controversies are few, they're fed by lots of different sides. So secularism, which is people saying we shouldn't have any religious expression in sports. And we have this kind of anti-Islam phobia and hatred and prejudice. And then, you know, of course, social media trolls feeding this debate as well. And some people take this up as a feminist or pseudo-feminist issue and say women shouldn't have to... Uh, you know, cover their heads or their hair because women should be free. And well, of course, that means women should be free to do whatever they want, including cover their heads and their hair. Right. Because it's about choice. Right. It's about the freedom to choose. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a straw feminist argument. I think most feminists of 
that we would know or who would write about the subject would say, if you want to wear it, wear it. If you want to believe that anything you want, believe it. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's like a faux feminist argument. But yeah, criticism quickly came from everywhere. And a lawmaker in France said that this lays bare, quote, this obsession around the veil in Islam. Politicians, public figures, a lot of people are displeased or uncomfortable with the fact that the sporting goods store is planning to sell this. Some people are suggesting a boycott. One woman said, my choice as a woman and a citizen will be to no longer trust a brand that breaks with our values. Those who tolerate women in the public space only when they are hiding are not lovers of freedom. So that's that kind of faux feminist argument. Decathlon initially said, we're democratizing sports and we are making the female athletes' lives easier. Our goal is simple, to offer them a suitable sports product without judgment, without commentary on their choices. And of course, Nike has been selling hijabs for runners internationally for, for a, a long years. time. Yeah. Um, so I think it's because this is a French brand that it has ruffled so many feathers in France. Well, and I, I don't think it's just France because in 2016, the United States had our first Olympic athlete that mm-hmm. competed wearing the hair covering mm-hmm. and it was talked about yeah absolutely i think it's maybe just that one we don't have as many who are choosing to wear the hair cover yes and also the sports that you would need it maybe we don't have as much interest like i'm thinking soccer it's not as big here it's getting bigger yeah but it's not as big in the United yeah States and as i mean and that tends to flare up in our country around the olympics which is really the only time that female athletes are widely visible right the only time most people are paying attention That's to female true. athletes That's during true. the Olympics. But the store Decathlon now says they're not going to sell the product because I, you, should, you guys should see the face Christina just made. Uh, well, what it says is that salespeople were threatened physically in the store and that they received so many calls and emails that they felt they would be putting their employees at risk by selling this product because it made so many people so angry. So it's that dramatic that it is that dramatic so that is a piece of not great news and the fact that we're still having to fight about what women wear to yeah, compete in just, sports yeah generally right to say you you're not safe in this space you can't make your own choices all of those kinds of conversations are pretty ridiculous i want to talk about something way more positive all right so tell me some updates about our lady detective episodes christina okay so i'm excited because after we did our podcast an episode came on for brooklyn 99 with Amy Santiago and her husband Jake and she talks about a story something that happened to her that uh could be considered part of the Me Too movement and it was just a really well done episode I think I mean there was comedy of course but Jake really got to see what it was like to be a woman not the whole picture but he really started to empathize so I thought that was just it was well done it was fantastic and um hopefully people who watched it learned something from it. Would you argue that the show is moving the conversation farther forward in terms of women's experiences, gay and lesbian experiences, people of color's experiences? You think even though we've already talked about it, it's continuing to move the conversation even more in terms of representation? There is definitely more depth, even though it is ridiculous humor, clearly. But it it, it is definitely, I think opening up conversations in a humorous way about those serious topics. So I, I absolutely love it. I'm even more in love with that show now than I was before. Do you think we before. can get Missy to watch it? I think we can. At least that one episode. Yeah. 
So we had another update too for Lady Detective. Yeah, so Killing Eve is a TV show starring Sandra Oh, who, you know, is from Grey's Anatomy. Found a way to stick it in this episode. So Killing Eve is a great show. It is a wonderful mystery detective thriller show on its own merits, aside from gender. But it's three main characters are all female. One of them is Sandra O, oh, and she plays an MI5 detective. She's very dissatisfied with like her very kind of boring office job in the uh, intelligence agency until she gets put on this special task force to find this particular serial killer. The serial killer is also a female character played by a female oh, actress. That's really interesting. And sh- and so the story is is split between the two the, the show is split between the two narratives. So it's half the story of the detective and half the story of the killer. And Sandra O's boss is played by another female actor and that is a woman who is older, more experienced in the agency and so we get that kind of representation within, you know, above 45 you know, which we've talked actress. about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they all do a wonderful job and they're all very emotionally complex characters. So there's a lot of nuance. You know, Sandra O oh is not all good. The serial killer is not all bad. And then there comes a time when you start to wonder whether Sandra O's oh boss is good or bad. So there's so a lot of nuance and depth to the characters. They have emotional lives. They have character development. It's a very cool show. And so that show has finished its first season and she, Sandra O, oh won Golden Globe for Best Performance, um, Screen Actors Guild Award, Critics' Choice Award, lots of other uh, awards for her performance in that show. And you had talked in our, I think, Criminals episode about an anti-hero. Yeah. And how we need more women as anti-heroes. Yeah. And so the, let's say, ethically ambiguous. And then... That's a nice way to say that. <laughs> and I don't want to give you any spoilers, but... Where Sandra O's oh character is kind of heading, there it seems to be kind of a meeting in the middle between her and the character, between her and the killer. So uh, it's it's super cool, and it just I mean it's been renewed for a second season. The second season hasn't started yet, but it has been renewed for a second season. That's awesome. Yeah, you want to so talk about math? I want to talk about math. I'm you, so excited. Do you want to do some math? No. Okay. Not ever. Never. Never. Never, never in your life. No. So there's a huge math prize, and I'm I'm was not familiar with this math prize before, but it's the Abel Prize, which is given by the Norwegian Academy of Science and Letters. So it's considered to be math's Nobel Prize. It's a very prestigious. So there's a Nobel Prize for economics, but not for mathematics. And so this is a very prestigious prize, internationally known in the math world, and comes with a financial award. In recognition of her work. And so the first female to win the award was Karen Uhlenbeck. And the reason I really want to talk about this. Yeah. Is because she has spent decades as a professor at the University of Texas at Austin. Ooh, she's a Texan. At least she taught here for several decades. I don't know if she was born here or not. But I think it's really cool that she was representing... Yeah. A Texas University. Absolutely. And she spent a lot of time in her career encouraging women to study mathematics. And I can tell you that her work analyzes the minimal surfaces of soap bubbles, finding ways to unite geometry and physics through new mathematical approaches, partial differential equations, calculus of variations, 
And I think <laughs> geometry has to do with shapes. Uh, beyond that, I'm just impressed. So that prize that she won? Yeah. Uh, converted, it's going to be about $700,000. So nice. Nice. Pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, and then previously, she'd also won a MacArthur Fellowship. So she's a super smart lady. Yeah. And she's... So her dean at the University of Texas... He categorized her work this way, pioneering pioneering insights that have applications across a range of fascinating subjects, string theory, and her insights may help explain the nature of reality and the geometry of space-time. The nature of reality. I don't even know, like, I know what that means, but I'm having a hard time conceptualizing that. So it's a very big deal. She also co-founded the Women in Mathematics program. Ooh, what's that? So it's, and its mission is to recruit women to go into mathematics. So to recruit and to support. That's cool. Because we've talked about this before, right? Like not finding those mentors. Yeah. Not finding a place where you fit in. And that's how you find a safe, yeah. Exactly. So I went to my first ever comic book store today. How many comics did you buy? Zero. (sighs) But I picked a few up and kind of flipped them. As we say, progress, not perfection. Yes. Nobody wants that sound in our podcast. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Captain Marvel. I know in our episode, and we're still not going to do any spoilers, but I know in our episode we talked a little bit, or at least I did, because you still haven't seen this movie, Misty. So I talked about the movie and how much I liked it and how much I wanted everyone to see it. We well, you had told me about pre-purchasing tickets and how there was this huge surge. In yes, that. yes. But not yes. on the podcast, but like privately, you had told me that. Yes. And well, and so the movie now is 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, certified fresh, which isn't a perfect score. But if you made, <laughs> if you make a 78, uh, it's a pretty high score in terms of, in terms of critics rating, 61% audience score. And that is still suffering from review bombing, which we talked about, but not on the podcast. And yeah, Legger was schooling me on how Rotten Tomatoes works. I wasn't sure. (laughs) So let me see if I remember correctly. Okay, go. Review bombing. Yes. Is basically when trolls get on and try to tank the rating of a show, maybe sometimes without even watching it. Yes. So before a movie comes out. How'd I do? Uh, I'll give you a 78. So before the movie comes out. Certified fresh. On Rotten Tomatoes, you can go on and say, this is how much I want to see a movie. Okay. Uh, And so then if a person like you, who doesn't know anything about the movies, and you're just like, what movie should I go see? And you look it up and you say, oh, 90% of people want to see this movie or 10% of people want to see this movie. Yeah, more likely to go see the 90% movie than the 10% movie. So what people were doing before the movie came out is they were... Because they were politically motivated, because they were misogynists, because they were just general trolls who wanted to sow discord in the universe. They were going on to Rotten Tomatoes and they were saying, don't want to see this movie, don't want to see this movie, don't want to see this movie, don't want to see this movie. You know, clear my cookies, don't want to see this movie, don't want to see this movie. And they, so were, they were just skewing the results. Falsely deflating the results. Now, are there people in the world who didn't want to see the movie? Sure. But a lot of it was people who were trying to downgrade it so that its rating on Rotten Tomatoes was trashed inauthentically. And what happened is Rotten Tomatoes changed the way they displayed information. Because not, of this movie? Not because they want to necessarily help this movie specifically, but because the purpose of their website is to give people like you authentic, reliable information about 
how good a movie is. And if people are able to tank their website, and of course people did this for Wonder Woman, and people did this the same thing for Black Panther. And so what do those three movies have in common? Hmm. They weren't led by by a white middle-aged male? There you go. I wonder if that's a coincidence. It has to be. Surely. So what Rotten Tomatoes said is, this is defying the function of or the purpose of our website. If a person like Misty, so like I know I'm going to go see Captain America or Captain Marvel. I do that all the time. I'm going to go see Captain Marvel. I'm not going to look on Rotten Tomatoes to find out if I'm going to go see it. But for a person like you, or if it's a movie that I don't know a lot about, I might use that website to tell me, is it doing well? So if you're ruining Rotten Tomatoes, you're making Rotten Tomatoes useless. So they did change the way they display results so that that number, that percentage doesn't show up. Okay, so it doesn't show up at all. The number of people looking forward to the movie doesn't show up. But the critics' reviews still the show critics up and show the up. reviews from people show up. Yes. Okay. So it's it, when you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, it says 78% certified fresh. And then it shows you 60-whatever percent is is audience reviews and some of those are people who liked it some of those are people who didn't like it and some of those are people who are mad that it's a lady superhero movie and some of those people have legitimate criticism sure of course yeah it's i mean it's not a perfect movie but um i definitely would give it a b i mean an a or a b depending on what you're asking me about like in terms of enjoyment of the movie a in terms of how well it represented the character Captain Marvel, B, right? In terms of its use of music, some people say A, some people say F. <laughs> Depends on how much you like 90s music, mostly. So, so you gave it an A. Yeah, and in fact, somebody tweeted to us that it seemed like their soundtrack was basically directly copied from our 90s music episode. Because they used a lot of female sung 90s songs, whole Alanis set. Uh, the Gwen Stefani song, Just a Girl, all those songs were in the movie. And even uh, that song, You Gotta Be, which we talked a little bit about, that was in the movie. So yeah, maybe they're copying us. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. I'm sure that's what's happening. I love how all three of you just rolled your eyes at me. Thank you. Wonderful. So we also have an update to a very recent episode. And I guess this update's kind of a bummer too. Yeah, this one's not great. So we We were very excited. We were very excited to talk about the all female spacewalk. And now NASA has decided to cancel what would have been the first all female spacewalk, which would have been a major historical event. And also just very cool for girls and women and humans and people and scientists and the women who work at NASA and all the women in the astronaut corps. It just would have been cool, man. So Allegra, tell me that they canceled it because maybe they don't have enough qualified women or tell me they definitely have enough qualified women and the women are already in space. So tell me they canceled it then because there's a legitimate concern about safety? Well, there is now because they don't have enough space suits prepared that fit the women. So we're talking about clothing again. We're talking about clothing sizes again. Yes. I don't even know what to say about this one. Because it's not like... I, I also don't know what to say about a space agency that can put someone on the International Space Station, but they, count, they cannot count the number of space suits they have. That's what I was going to say. You can't tell me that nobody in the organization raised this issue. 
I was like, hey, what are what are they going to be wearing out there? Because, I mean, this is not like they're taking a trip to the beach, right? This is kind of an important thing. This is a safety issue. How did nobody raise this before now? I don't know, Misty. And why, I don't and, know. And why would you announce it before you had all your ducks in a row? I don't know. Because if they had never announced it, then nobody would feel like something had been taken away. But, but now, now we're all angry. Yes. And there are some great responses on Twitter. So Erin Blakemore is a journalist. Okay. Uh, and she writes for the Washington Post and other places. And she has a whole series of tweets that have been tweeted and liked and retweeted thousands of times about this topic. She said NASA just canceled the first all-female spacewalk because it won't have enough suits that fit women astronauts ready in time. I guess sexism really can transcend the earthly plane. Clearly, the default for person who spacewalks is male with large torso or person who wears more than a medium, which is apparently only the women on the International Space Station. Why? Why can't the mission be postponed? Why aren't all torsos ready at all times? What if the non-medium wearers were all incapacitated at once and the medium wearers, women, had to do emergency repairs? Would that just not be possible? Living in a world built for men literally puts people's lives at risk. Apparently, that expense extends to space, too. And there's and she links to an article about how women living in a world built for men is physically dangerous. And it includes things about um, crash test dummies, uh, bulletproof vests, all kinds of things like that. She says, I think, I mean, think of what it means to have the first ever spacewalk that is conducted only by women and then have that dashed because of something like this. It's a slap in the face. It sure makes the women astronauts on the International Space Station seem like an afterthought. Exactly. And this is putting aside everything about the overdueness of the spacewalk. The historic sexism of the scientists, the fact that astronauts of the past, like John Glenn, literally testified to Congress that women were unfit to go to space. I'm sick of being told to wait for later. Maybe later. It's always later. What if space could be a place to transcend a world designed for men? What if space could be a place for humans to, you know, serve humankind? Maybe later. It's frustrating. I can't say it any better than that. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. When we first saw this story, we were actually at the conference in Galveston, and I got a news alert on my phone, and I showed it to Allegra, and I said, this can't be real. And then she got on Twitter. And I said, Hillary Clinton retweeted it, so it's probably true. And we both just sat there thinking, we just talked about this, and we were so excited. So many people were so excited. This was a major win. Yeah. And now it's not. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't know how you didn't count the space torso vests or whatever before you decided to tell everyone that we were going to have an all-female spacewalk. But whatever. So so we don't end on a complete quite, bummer. quite such a bummer. We do want to let you know that we have an update to our long-standing bet between Misty and I. Between Misty and me. So very early on in the podcast, uh, I had talked about a movie that I had seen and Allegra had not. And that you're very excited about the remake of. No. I don't even remember what this movie is called now. Death Becomes Her? No. The First Wives Club. Both have similar... No. 
The First Wives Club is a fantastic movie. It was, I watched it. So here's the update. I watched it. I loved it. And in fact. You actually live tweeted it. I did live tweet watching it. Uh, and I screenshot, I mean, I posted some, I didn't, it's not a screenshot. I took a picture with my phone of my TV. So whatever you call that. But uh, yeah, it was a great movie. Very fun. I didn't realize there would be singing. But that's, I think why you brought it up the first time is you said some song, even... some song that we were talking about oh, in the podcast, me. they sang in the yes. movie. Yeah. That's why it initially came up. Yes. Missy, however, has not. Well, hold on. No. Time out. No. I have uh-uh. gone to a movie theater. You have entered a movie theater. You have not watched a movie in a movie theater. I have watched the beginning of a movie twice. You have watched the first 20 minutes of Wreck-It Ralph two times. Ralph breaks the internet. That's true. Ralph breaks the internet. I took my daughter to a movie theater. We tried twice to get through it, and she just has the attention span of a three-year-old. So we didn't quite make it. But was it her or you who didn't have the attention span? Be honest. We want to know. <laughs> she didn't have the attention span, but I'm not going to lie. I didn't force it too hard. She said, I'm ready to go. And I said, okay, baby, let's go. So we're all disappointed in you, Misty. I feel like I met the spirit of the bed. No. I booked a ticket at a movie theater, which I had not done online ever. I had to. Was this the first time you had to choose your seats? I had to pick a seat. And I was very <laughs> confused when I was asked that. My seat had heat it's and it like, reclined. It's like you just woke up from like, it's like you're a Rip Van Winkle. Or like Captain America when you have to teach him about all of the things he slept through. Do you want to know through. what's really bad? It was so confusing to book it online that I was trying to book an 11 a.m. And I accidentally booked the 11 p.m. But there was nobody there at 11 a.m. So they let me go ahead and go in with my tickets that were wrong. I'm not going to say I'm good at this. Okay. You you have to see Back an adult in the day, movie. When I used to go to the movies, you would just go up to the lady. Yeah, the but you had to stand in line if you wanted a good seat. Now you don't have to do that. I am promoting women in the workforce. That's why it was a lady. I think I've probably since September October when we made this bet. I think I have probably gone to the movies. So let's just go from October 1st. Okay. I have seen John Carpenter's Vampires, Bad Times at the El Royale, Venom, Halloween. We don't need the names of all the terrible movies you no, saw. No, you've seen them. Halloween, Overlord, Bohemian Rhapsody, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, saw that twice. Die Hard, saw it in a movie theater. Captain Marvel, saw it in a movie theater. Bohemian Rhapsody, Sing Along. The Kid Who Would Be King, Happy Death Day to You, Apollo 11, then I saw Captain Marvel again. How? That's all since October. And all at the Alamo Draft House. You have no excuse for your behavior. We're all very disappointed in you. I, I feel like I met the terms of our bet. But if you feel like that is incorrect, then... Nope, you gotta go to the movies. Go see an adult movie and watch it for the entire time. I'm, be, I'm gonna be a weirdo at the movies by myself. I'll go with you. Anyway. What's next in your lady life? You know, getting ready for the end of the semester, man. We got about five weeks from the time this airs to the end of the semester. It's just uh, grading, professionalism, prompt responses to student emails and questions, courteous responses to faculty who ask me questions. Just nothing but professionalism 24-7. 
I respect that about you. Do you respect that? I do. In case anyone's wondering, our Dean is just sitting at the end of the couch right now. So that's my answer. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Nerds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and I guess I'm going to the movies again. And I'm Allegra, and if I have to, I will take her there myself. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's updates, what you would like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Extremely great and only getting better. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email at ProfessHers at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who's been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or even your boss. And remember, we'll be back next week with a real episode. And women are still people.